Oh my days. Welcome back to Tom's Takes. This is me, Tom Patterson. Uh, Whatever time it is for you right now, wherever you are, I hope you're having a great day. Uh, I'm having a great day right now. It's Thursday afternoon for me. Um, Something that Parv and I have talked a long time a little about um, over the last six months or a year has been doing a bit more social sport. Like now that COVID is, people are caring less about COVID and we're able to, you know, lockdowns aren't really a thing anymore. We're out and about a lot more. Um, We've seen that at Sydney Olympic Park, they do like a social sort of Frisbee um, game, like a pickup game every Tuesday night at Kathy Freeman Oval or Kathy Freeman Park, right next to the big, um, I think it's called Accor Stadium now, but like the main Homebush uh, Stadium. And yeah, we've been doing that for the past three weeks and it's been, you know, great exercise, met some cool people, very casual, chill game of Frisbee. Um, yeah, very cool. So if you're into, if you're into Frisbee, um, you don't need to be a beast or really good at it. Um, you know, people all ages sort of come down and all abilities. So and just kind of have a, a fun, social, chill game of Frisbee um, between like 6 and 8 p.m. on a Tuesday night. And yeah, I saw this advertised for so long on like Facebook groups or yeah, just people talking about it. And yeah, we've gone for a couple weeks now and it's been really enjoyable and a great way to exercise and that sort of stuff. Um, yeah, really fun. Uh, I don't know, me especially and then Parv, but I know a lot of people struggle with just like, oh, I know that like exercise is good and I should do it, but I don't want to like, I can't just go and run on a treadmill or I can't just go for a walk, you know. For me, walking, I love it. It works for me, but for other people it's like, oh, too boring or I don't want to do it. Like I need the social aspect of exercising if I'm going to do it. So I don't know, things like this are great. And I don't know, if you've never done Frisbee or you're you're really good at it or somewhere in the middle and you, you want to come down to Olympic Park and just have a chill game of frisbee. Uh, Very fun, very enjoyable. So that's been like a nice, I don't know, midweek highlight or something to look forward to on Tuesday nights, which has been really good right before my main teaching day on Wednesdays, which is really good. Another thing, um, thanks everybody for for following me at TomPatterson97 on Instagram and sending me your suggestions or different comments or just showing me love and telling me you're enjoying it or things to improve on. Um, I really appreciate it. Keep sending in your questions or suggestions. Um, even if they're not sports related, like can talk about other things like show recommendations or life or healthcare. And I don't know, I've gone on lots of little tangents or rants or I don't know. I'm always looking, Parv and I are always looking for new shows to watch, like tell us what you're watching at the moment or, um, you know, different things happening around the world. What's piquing your interest. Um, happy to talk about a little bit of this sort of stuff at the start. So yeah, it's been great anyway. It's been great hearing from you guys and getting lots of support. So I I appreciate you all. Um, means a lot. One thing I have been watching, like I I was telling everyone that we watched that, uh, documentary about cycling and doping and the Olympics and Russia, um, with Icarus on Netflix the other day. The next thing Pav and I are watching now is um, on Disney Plus. It has ESPN through that, I think, too. And um, it's called uh, Man in the Arena. And, yeah, it goes through Tom Brady. Like, if you don't know who Tom Brady is, then, yeah, what are you doing? But um, I think everybody, everybody knows. It's such a household name, but... Um, yeah, maybe people don't know like where Tom Brady's from. Very famous NFL player, plays, right? He's still playing. He's 44 years old and he's been playing for 20, 20 years, 22 years. Um, so he's right now playing in Florida with the Tampa Bay Buccaneers or you can call them like Tampa Bay Buccaneers because the, the team's built around Tom, Tampa Brady, Tom Brady. Um, but he, he really earned his name and became, um, you know, the household name first in while playing for in Boston with the New England uh, Patriots. 
Um, that's the team who drafted him, played like 19, 20 years there, won six championships, six Super Bowls there. Anyway, this documentary basically covers his sort of story, you know, his life before becoming famous, like in college, you know, um, playing at Michigan and his journey through the draft and then sort of covers the big sort of seasons where he won championships or came really close and what that year was like to him and, you know, everything that was happening on the field but then off the field and just, yeah, what, another great documentary and why I sort of fall in love with sports where, you know, these things that are just like more than the game and more than just what you watch on TV and the in the space of one hour, one hour or two hours uh, on TV takes you in behind into that person's personal life or their family life or other things that were challenges or barriers or facilitators for them in their success um, or what they had to overcome, which makes th- things even more thrilling and exciting to watch when you understand those sort of things and then you watch the sport. So really cool documentary so far. We've just watched one and a half episodes. We were watching half of it last night, but then Pa fell asleep. Um, so I paused it there. <laughs> she had a big tear today. So good to get a, uh, have a nice sleep and we can c- catch up on this uh, tonight or tomorrow, whenever. Um, but yeah, recommend you watching it. Even if you don't know much about NFL, um, Tom Brady, the greatest of all time, the goat at NFL, um, really cool dude, very selfless. So, like talented, but one of those cases where hard work beats talent and just has incredible discipline. And I think you can learn a lot from watching and hearing uh, about his life and his stories, even if you're not into NFL, has a lot of uh, transferable um, knowledge and yeah, just lots of great points throughout. So check it out if you if you have time or if you're sitting there, you know, uh, there's nothing to watch on Netflix or there's nothing to watch. What should I watch while I'm eating food or going to go to sleep soon? Chuck on Man in the Arena, uh, story about Tom Brady on ESPN. Just another thing on that is that I always, it doesn't matter like, about who the documentary is about, but I love watching these documentaries too because you get to see, you know, behind what's going on in the sporting field. I know I just said that, but it's like you get to see more candid sort of interviews or stories or even just however it's produced, you can see, you know, whenever they give, you know, sideline interviews or pre-game, post-game interviews, whatever sport it is, whichever athlete it is, it's sort of very formal you know, they can't give away too many tactics or they can't give away too much of what's happening actually behind the scenes. But then because this has been filmed after a lot of uh, this has taken place, um, that he can give lots of those details away or they can be more candid because um, it's just like in a different format or um, around people he feels comfortable with, um, you know, rather than the very business or formal or, you know, I'm just, I'm just here so I don't get fined type of answers. Um, yeah, these documentaries, like with any documentary, right, it really gets into all the nitty gritty stuff and all the factors that influence something and you just learn, it's like your eyes wide open sort of thing or the walls pulled over your eyes finally and you can really go, wow, I didn't know that, I didn't understand that, but yeah, now I understand that point of view or damn, that all makes sense or wow, of course they lost or they didn't win that season with all this stuff going on in the background. Um, So yeah, really cool. Okay, so this episode, we're going to talk a lot about the conference finals in the NBA now. We've got our Eastern Conference and our Western Conference set with uh, Miami Heat versus Boston, and then we've got the Warriors versus the Mavs. So we're going to unpack all the game ones. Both games have happened uh, today and yesterday, so we're going to get into that. And then also the NBA lottery for the NBA draft happens. So we're going to talk a little bit about that. Uh, we're going to go through, check on our hockey teams, how they're going. Um, got some Q&A questions as well. 
First, I want to start off with this though. Uh, we talked a little bit, a little bit about what's happening in the soccer world, and we know how well Liverpool is going. And I wanted to start it off with a question to you all. So, I found out, like I did, that Liverpool is trying to win four trophies this year. They've already won two, so they won the Community Shield or like the Carling Cup sort of thing. They've won the FA Cup now just recently against Chelsea or both were against Chelsea. Uh, Bad luck (laughs) for Chelsea there. They're also trying to win three and four, like a third and fourth trophy. So the Champions League as well as the Premier League. And a very smart fellow or a very ambitious person about six months ago uh, had a lot of faith in Liverpool. Um, Not misplaced. Uh, it's, it's doing well now, but had a lot of faith and six months ago placed a bet to say, yep, Liverpool is going to win all four trophies that they can this year. Premier League, Champions League, FA Cup, Community Cup. And they only, they, so they put a $100 bet on it and with potential to win, I think, half a million dollars if Liverpool are successful and win all four trophies. So... Like I said, Liverpool's already won two. This They only need to win two more, and this guy will win half a million dollars. Very cool. Rooting for him. But I found out that the betting company, whoever it was, TAB or whatever, Las Vegas himself, um, Caesars Palace, called him up and said, hey, you know, whoever it is, hey, Tom, great bet, uh, awesome. Got the potential to win half a million with this bet. But we see, you know, Liverpool's already won two. How about we just offer you 20 grand right now? And we'll give you 20 grand. And how about you rip that ticket up? And, you know, you can have 20 grand now, or you can have the chance of winning half a million dollars if you let it ride and see if Liverpool actually do it. It's like the betting company is a little bit scared and has that like cash out option, right? So it's given this guy the cash out option of here's 20 grand now guaranteed in your bank account right now if you want it or would you go with the chance of half a million what do you guys think Uh, i was chatting with parv about this and seeing what she thought and she was saying you know you only bet a hundred dollars why not just let it play like you it's not like you're losing any money by rejecting the 20 grand Guaranteed, like even though it's it's guaranteed, is basically in your hand. I don't know. Liverpool, they're in the final of the Champions League. They just have to win one more game, and then Man City, Man City is kind of selling the bread with the Premier League. Liverpool have a bit of a lead in that, so it looks like they're going to win that. It's really just, do you think Liverpool's going to win the Champions League? And that's that's pretty much a toss up. So it's like Liverpool have already got three out of four even though the Premier League isn't finished yet, but they're they're in a good position with that. They've already got two out of four. It's likely they're going to do three out of four at least. And then they're in the final of the last four out of four, so that's pretty good odds. So Pav was saying, let it ride. Um, you know, Let the, real, the wheel spin. Um, let's see. Why not go for the half a million? Um, what do you guys think? I'm interested to, to hear... Send me a message. 20 grand right now or half a million dollars if Liverpool do four out of four. Who are you more confident in? I don't know what I'm saying there. I would say, damn, I would say unless you needed that 20 grand right now for something, right? Like you're in debt or, yeah, the mafia is coming after you or you you went and did physio degree and you've still got 20 grand in hex debt, Um who knows? It's just, yeah, it's how confident are you in Liverpool just winning the Champions League final? Because I think they're going to win the Premier League. So that's the three out of four. And then you're just waiting on one more. So it's good odds. They're playing Real Madrid though. And that, that would make me nervous. <laughs> Benzema is, is really good right now. Anyway, I'm saying I'm saying let it ride. No, ma- no major debts for me. Uh, 20 grand would be nice, but half a million is, is a lot nicer too. <laughs> then I can go to the Maldives uh, every year on holidays, stay in the villas, um, maybe just buy one of those villas and go there whenever I like. That would be nice. Wow. Yeah, let me know what you think. 20 grand now 
half a million later. Alrighty, shifting gears to the Eastern Conference Final now in the NBA. We had Game 1 between the Miami Heat, who's the number 1 seed, and the number 2 seed, the Boston Celtics. So, yeah, just starting with that, it should be, you know, with seeding and the Conference Finals, it should be technically, like, after the regular season, number 1 versus number 2 that we get down to, right? Um... That's how the seeding works and gives those teams the advantages of um, the easiest matchups to play. So it worked out in this side. We'll, we'll get to that in the West because it didn't work out that way in the West. But yeah, Miami uh, took care of business and Celtics took, took care of business to get here. But now, now it's a real showdown, right? Now it's a real dogfight. Number one versus number two. Miami Heat, if needed, when it gets to a game seven, if it does, they'll have home court advantage. But we started out with game one at Miami. Um, The big question going into this one was Miami played the 76ers in the previous round, right? And I'm just refreshing your memory because Miami was able to win that series in six games. But Boston had the Bucks and they went seven games. And the Heat 76ers series wasn't super physical, 76ers sort of packed it in, there was no effort, energy for a lot of that series. Like, Miami Heat players have never looked tired throughout these playoffs, and and each of the rounds haven't played a Game 7. Like, I know Boston swept the Nets in the first one, so they had a lot of time off, but playing Giannis and the Bucks and going seven games, very physical team, um... I was wondering coming into this, would that take a toll? Would Boston show up tired? They're showing up in Miami. Um, yeah, was would fatigue be a factor? And they came out and, and proved me wrong, or I suspected that fatigue would be a factor. But Celtics, for the first quarter and second quarter, really had a lot of effort, a lot of energy, spread the ball around a lot. All their players are running around both on offense and defense to create space create open shots. They rebounded the ball really well. In particular, Grant Williams for Celtics, um, big power forward or big center who hadn't, who's been injured since the first game against Milwaukee in the last series. He made a return back and my goodness, you could really feel his impact. Every time uh, Boston missed the shot, he was right there to get the rebound and gave them a second or third opportunity to get points. He was blocking lots of shots, even against their taller players on Miami Heat. Like he had a great block against Bam Adebayo, Jimmy Butler, Oladipo, um, contesting a lot of shots, making it difficult. Um, You know, defending without fouling is an art form. It's really difficult. So you're not allowed to touch the arm of the shooter. That's a foul. And having a, a strong, tall player be such a strong presence on your defense and just rise up and without fouling, without touching the player, but giving them no space, blocking the basket, um, stealing the ball, forcing a turnover, not letting up any rebounds. It's so valuable and just showed how much they've missed him. Maybe if he was during that, if he played during that Bucks series, they could have ended that game, um, ended that series with a few games in hand. Um, so he had a massive presence. Boston, Boston's tactic in this game, it's interesting. Like a game one is really like a feel-out game and basically cool to see for the spectator of like what each team is trying to do. And from what I saw, Boston is trying to try to take away the fourth and the fifth player from Miami Heat. Like they're like Jimmy Buckets, Jimmy Butler, that's Miami Heat's number one dude. He's too talented. He's like a, you know, at that sort of Steph Curry, Luka Doncic level right now, playing like it. We're not going to stop him. Bam, Adebayo, and Tyler Hero, again, they're too good. Like, they do different things. They score in different ways. But again, the second and third best player, too hard to stop. Then we get to, you know, Marcus Struess and uh, Vincent. And 
they are like the three-point shooters for Miami Heat. And you could see that Boston in that first half was trying to put the clamps on them, trying to make it really hard for them and make them the primary ball handlers because they're really good at just catching the ball and shooting, like putting up shots, hitting wide open threes. So they really didn't double any of the Miami players and forced, you know, the fourth and fifth player of Miami, um, Vincent and Struess, to try and make a play, dribble around everyone or do some Hail Mary sort of shots. And it made it tricky on occasions um, Miami in that first half really got bailed out by Tyler Hero coming off the bench and like his last name, Hero, that really is his last name, but with double R, um, played like a hero, scoring 15 points in that first quarter and taking over the game, keeping Miami in it in the first half, even though Boston had, I think, a 10-point lead at halftime. It was like 50 to 40, something like that. Um, Boston had quite a bit of a lead, but then... Third quarter, Jimmy Buckets filling up all the buckets on the sideline with sweat. He just went beast mode, my days. Uh, He had 17 points in the third quarter and finished the game with 41 points, nine rebounds, and seven assists far out. It was, it's a crazy game because Boston watching it, um, you know, they were the better team for three out of the four quarters. They played really consistent, played great defense, took good shots, but it just took, you know, Tyler Hero in the first half to keep Miami in it, keep them within striking distance. And then this guy, Jimmy Butler from Miami, their number one dude just went ballistic, went beast mode. Everything that he touched the ball was creating assists or couldn't miss, just shooting up uncontested shots, even when they doubled him finding the right pass or even shooting over it and was still going in. So crazy game. And then on the defense, especially in that second half, uh, Bam Adebayo, the tallest player for Miami Heat, was just blocking and rim rim protecting like you've never seen. My goodness. uh, There's the famous block two years ago in 2020 in the bubble season where I think it's game seven, Boston versus Miami. So this is a, a bit of a grudge match because... Two years ago, this was the Eastern Conference Finals matchup as well. Miami versus Boston. Boston is actually the higher seed back two years ago. And it's a very close game late in the fourth quarter. Jason Tatum, Boston player, driving to the rim. And Bam Adebayo, like a LeBron James, steals the ball out of his hand, swipes it into the backboard and blocks him as he's doing like a point-blank dunk. And that exact same play happened again. Bam Adebayo blocking Jason Tatum at the rim and Bam finished the game with 12 blocks, I think. Like, far out. That is so dominant. Wow. That's what it, you know, that's what it took, though, to for Miami to hold serve. You know, I always talk about this and I'm always going to mention it, that home ground advantage is a real thing and Miami did what they were supposed to do. You know, Boston, even though they lost... They, they, sh- they played really well. They played consistent. They shouldn't be too downhearted. Like I said, they play- They were the better team for three out of the four quarters, and it's really frustrating to lose a game like that. But that it should. they have a lot of positives to take to the next one, and you just be going, let's try and figure out a way to stop Jimmy. Um, let's prevent him from going beast mode or exploding in that third quarter. We just need to be able to lock him up, lock him down for the whole game somehow. Um, and maybe that's unrealistic. I think you've you got to find a way because uh, he did so in the other three quarters. Um, just got to watch watch the film about how Miami got him going. Um, and, yeah, maybe fatigue was a little bit of a factor after the, after the first half. Like I said, maybe that adrenaline and energy kept them going for the Celtics just after a, game seven. First half was quite good, but then they sort of had that come down off a high or, you know, the Miami heat, Miami humidity. It's crazy out there. Um, A key stat in this one was that Boston had 48 points in the paint. So 48 points from really close range. 
but they only had six points in the paint of those 48 in the second half. So it shows you that, like I said, Grant Williams, Jason Tatum, Jalen Brown were you know, dribbling around everybody, getting rebounds, getting you know, close to the rim, dunking on people, getting easy layups, easy shots in the first half, able to do whatever they want. But then Miami adjusted to that. Then they started putting up the wall, um, making tough switches, double contesting shots, um, making Boston take harder shots and from further out. And then Boston just didn't hit those shots or they didn't know how to respond or react to that. So I thought that was a really key stat. Another thing was that Boston was missing their best defensive player, uh, Marcus Smart, who won best defensive player of the league or best defensive player of the year award this year. And they were without him this game. And I think Jimmy Butler going off in that third quarter might not have happened if there was Marcus Smart there. And, you know, it wears you down having to guard, having to defend an elite player like Steph Curry, Luka Doncic, LeBron James, Jimmy Butler for a whole game, right? Like maybe you can force a turnover, you know, once or twice against these guys, but to do it consistently in the whole game, that's really hard to do. It takes a lot of energy. And at some point, these guys are too good to be quiet all game. So they needed they needed their best defensive player out there. And I guess I guess it was good that it happened in the first game when they're away from home. Like it would have been worse if Boston was at home today and they didn't have Marcus Smart and then they lost. Because it's like, oh you lost at home. That's that's disgraceful or like that can't happen. But then it's like, oh you wish that he was there if you were Boston because it was like it was a big opportunity today big opportunity to put the pressure on and to go up 1-0 and then to say, we don't need to win away from home anymore. Now we can just go home and win all our home games. So I think Boston rude missing, uh, rude the loss of Marcus Smart in that game. My one final, final thought is, do you remember at the end of the regular season, like two or three games to go, I forget who Miami was playing, but Miami was playing like a bad team, like someone like the Kings or the Magic or the Thunder, someone who they should really beat. And they were not playing well. And it was like the third or the fourth quarter and there was a timeout. So both teams are like getting their coach to talk things over with, trying to uh, develop a game plan. Um, And then a big sort of scuffle, a big fight breaks out on the Miami team bench. You know, Jimmy Butler... And Bam Adebayo uh, sort of like jawing with and having a, like really harsh words, pushing and shoving with their own teammates. And it looked really ugly. It's like, damn, usually you see that sort of stuff between teams. But if that's happening on your own team, like what the heck is that about? And I don't know what it's about, but I remember thinking at the time, this is the sort of thing that, you know, makes or breaks a team. Like, obviously an argument or a disagreement happened and that sort of can push players away. It can isolate people and, you know, destroy sort of bridges or break friendships or break boundaries. And there can be breakdowns in communication and less teamwork or that type of thing can pull you together and show everyone, Hey, we really care about this. You know, yes, I'm frustrated about this or I'm getting angry, but you know, we need to play better. We need to be more serious. Like, dude, I love you. I care about you. But damn, like, we can't be playing like this or you can't be making those mistakes. Um, you know, they wouldn't have said it like that. But being able to take that sort of thing happening to you is in that sort of frame of mind rather than, oh, this person is just being argumentative or, like, shutting that person out or shutting them down. Um it was interesting because it seems that it's done the latter. It's brought this Miami Heat team together. And since then, they've barely lost a game. So sometimes you need a little bit of a blow up or uh, a bit of an argument or a fracture within the team. But it's just how how well is that fracture able to heal itself and is it able to heal itself? So in this case, it has. Uh, I found that interesting. I was wondering, you know, you never like to see 
fights happen at all, but it's so rare that you see it on uh, within an own team. So it looks like it's 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 for the best. Then next up, we move to the Western Conference Finals in the NBA, where we had the number three team, Golden State Warriors uh, from San Francisco, from California, versus the Dallas Mavericks, the number four team. Um, so this, you know, people are very surprised, or I was surprised that the Mavericks pulled through against the Phoenix Suns. I know Parv is super disappointed. She uh, she really likes the Suns. They were one of her favorite teams. Um, so she was really disappointed to see them bow out. Um, but yeah, so now it's, it's Dallas versus Golden State. And, you know, similar but different styles going into this game, right? Like similar in they're both don't have a lot of size, like they're quite small teams, like they play, they just like to shoot the ball, there's just going to be a lot of little guys running around who are really good, who are really quick and agile, great dribblers, but just throwing up a lot of threes or long distance twos or getting layups, like it's not a lot of people, you know, dunking on your head, not a, not a lot of guys like Giannis or Shaq or Rudy Gobert who are just posting people up dunking on their head or throwing lobs, catching it, yeah, and dunking. It's going to be a lot of who can shoot the ball better from three-point or who can make the tougher, you know, contested shots or which team's other guys, like which team's fourth, fifth, sixth, seventh best player actually hits their wide-open shots. You know, because they're going to double Steph Curry at times. They're going to double Clay Thompson. They're going to double Luka Doncic at times. They're going to double Jalen Brunson. Can Finney Smith? Can Jordan Poole? Can uh, Wiggins? Can Dimwitty hit their shots? Who do you have more confidence in? That's how I look at it. Um, so I, I was, you know, I already have that bias towards Golden State as just, you know in love with Steph Curry and Clay Thompson, this sort of team, followed them for a while. But I think even if I wasn't such a Golden State lover um, that I would, yeah, I'd be leaning towards them in this. I'm probably thinking Golden State in six. Um, But yeah, so very interesting going into it. I think similar sort of uh, feel or thought that I had with Boston, Miami around Boston similar to Dallas here, where I was wondering, you know, very emotional Game 7 win for both Boston and Dallas, and would it be a fatigue factor playing a team that didn't had like two or three extra days of rest compared to you, and how would that manifest in this Game 1? And for Boston, like I said, they came out and they didn't look fatigued. They actually took a big lead early on, and kind of threw it away, or it took a magnificent performance from Jimmy Butler and the Heat to bring it back. Whereas Dallas played or started off the game how I thought Boston would. They came out really sluggish, a little bit lackluster in physicality and effort and movement, and Golden State came out really fired up. And they had the advantage where I really like their styling. They with the lineup that they started today, they had an extra big man on the field. So they already had Andrew Wiggins as their number four. So they had obviously Steph Curry, Clay Thompson, two main splash brothers, Jordan Poole on the bench, but they had Draymond Green as well starting. So then they had two big guys also start. Andrew Wiggins, their young uh, sort of center or young presence. And then they also had Kevon Looney, another one of those championship players for Golden State, but another sort of young center or power forward who's really tall, quite muscular build, um, great at rebounding, and showed it today. He was, you know, the whole offense or the whole sort of tone went through him in that first quarter. Similar to uh, Grant Williams with the Celtics, Looney played the same. Came out getting every rebound, giving Golden State... Lots of second chance, third chance opportunities to get baskets, to get points, which they took. 
and Golden State was able to stretch out a lead. You know, Golden State in the first quarter scoring 28 points to Dallas's uh, 17, and then that sort of continued throughout the first half. Um, you know, Golden State playing with a lot of energy and like spreading the floor around. Steph Curry, Clay Thompson, always running around. And that was like another big thing coming into this series where Dallas would have to adjust, where the previous two teams that they played, Utah and Phoenix, were way more stagnant and just so different offenses compared to Golden State, where in both of those two former teams I just said, one person has the ball and then sort of you're allowed or you can, as a defense, just have all eyes watching that ball handler and just see what they're going to do. Whereas Golden State, it doesn't matter who has the ball. If you're defending someone without the ball, like let's say the ball's in the middle of the court, your player's standing in the corner, um, nowhere near the ball, you can't just relax and go, oh, yep, I can take this play off. I can take, you know, five, ten seconds, catch my breath. My player's not going to do anything. All of Golden State players and all their offense revolves around them moving all the time. And I know you just see highlights from Golden State and you just think, wow, they shoot so well from three. But why do they shoot so well from three? It's because they're always running around. No one ever stops. You can never lose sight, like lose touch, lose sight of your player. If Steph Curry's got the ball, Clay Thompson is like sprinting from the right side to the left side. Dream on Green or other people are building a wall, setting screens, setting picks to allow Clay Thompson to get open. Then Clay Thompson's totally open on the left side. Steph Curry finds him, has an open three-pointer, and then that's what you see on the highlight. Clay Thompson hitting a three. But you don't see all that work and the defender or multiple defenders getting left in the dust, left behind. And Clay Thompson hits this wide open shot because of the, all the ball movement or, and all the sacrifice of the other Golden State players setting screens or running. As Clay Thompson's running to the left side, someone else is running to the right side or running to the back or running to the half court. Everyone's moving around, so it takes it takes energy for the Golden State players to do this, but it takes even more energy to defend it, and that's the game plan. We are conditioned enough. We don't get tired. We're going to tire out you, and we're going to tire out your best player. We're going to force Luka Doncic to run around all game, and that's what happened. I think you know they got Luka to run around. They got him into bad matchups. Golden State uh, moved the ball, passed it well, didn't turn it over as much as they usually do, um, and just gave a lot of effort on both sides of the ball. You know, this game could have been a lot uh, bigger lead or stretched out more. But Golden State uncharacteristically didn't hit a lot of their free throws. They actually only hit 50% of them. Um, So at halftime, like I said, it was like 42, no, 54 to 42. They had like a 12-point lead. But then if they hit all their free throws, it could have been a 20-point lead or over. So, yeah. Uh, very uncharacteristic because Golden State have the best free throw shooter of all time in Steph Curry, who's usually never misses. And not only never misses, but like is such a guaranteed um, shot maker from free throw that it's like if it hits the rim and goes in or hits the backboard, it's like, whoa. Even him himself, like if you go back and watch the highlights, he, you hear him, you shoot a free throw, if it doesn't swish through just hitting the net, he's like, oh, damn, or holy crap, like, what the heck? Um, so to see him miss free throws is like, whoa, geez. <laughs> uh, but like I said, um, Luka Doncic only got 21, 20 points today, and that's a lot lower than his average of, like, 30, 31 points. And like I said, he got tired out from having to defend, have to chase everyone the whole time on Golden State. But as well, you know, they just missed shots today, Dallas. Dallas actually had 48 three-point shot attempts. Yes, 48. And they only made um, they only made 11, 
11 from 48 from three. So they got 33 points off it, but they had to shoot it 48 times to only hit 11. That's very poor efficiency, poor productivity, right? And that's from, you know, Golden State or Dallas tried their best, right? They tried penetrating, running towards the rim, attracting a few Golden State defenders, kicking it out, passing it out to the wide players for open shots. And that's just like where you're passing to your fourth, fifth, sixth best player. You know, Luka Doncic or Jalen Brunson did the right thing. They're driving towards the basket, trying to get a layup. But Golden State's built the wall, not giving up easy buckets. So then they shoot, they kick it out, they pass it to their open players. And Dallas today just weren't able to knock down shots. It's not even like they had bad shots. They were really good shots. And it makes you nervous because it's like the same type of shots that maybe back in Dallas, if you have that same attempt, it goes in. And because the crowd's behind you, that person's more comfortable. Um, Yeah, you're not on the road. The the fans are not hostile to you. You feel a bit out of place or there's more anxiety. Um, You miss that first shot and you really get out of rhythm where, whereas if you just miss the first shot at home, the crowd's still behind you or tries to pick you up and it's a lot easier. So... Dallas, they're, who knows? It's like, they got good shots today. It, they, it just didn't go in for them. Uh, we'll see We'll see if they're able to clean that up. On the other hand, though, like scarily in terms of Golden State, it was really scary today because in the first half, Steph Curry and Clay Thompson only had like four points in that first half. And it was everybody else that was doing it for them. Like you think if I told you Steph Curry and Clay Thompson or you tell Dallas, we're going to hold Steph Curry and Clay Thompson to four points um, in total for the first half, would you take that? It's like, yes, of course. But then Draymond Green is getting uh, eight, ten points. Uh, Wiggins is getting 15 at halftime. Uh, Kevon Looney is getting 10 in the first quarter. Jordan Poole is going off. Everybody's contributing. And again, like I always talk about, you never want just one person or it's a lot easier to defend and to win a game if you know that only one person on your opponent's team is worth marking, worth guarding. But if everyone can contribute, then it's like, you know, a barrage from everywhere and it's way more random and it's harder to... Yeah, nail down what the, what the other team's going to do, what to focus on, who to try to, to double team, who to try to focus in on and stop. Uh, it's Yeah, that's really, really hard. And yeah, Golden State was great at, you know, sort of backburning today of being like a firefighter and just starting little fires but extinguishing them straight away rather than waiting until, you know, a great massive bushfire started and trying to get the fire extinguisher out afterwards. And what I mean by that is, like, don't let Dallas even get a sniff or try to get going, get hot at all in the first half. Like, make it really hard for them and do the work throughout the winter season and autumn of just, like, taking care of business, being really disciplined and efficient so that a big fire doesn't... uh, happen later on and you have to put out and put all this work into cooling down a Spencer Dimwitty or a Jalen Brunson. It's like we can just do a little bit of backburning and let Luca get going, but we're not going to let all of Dallas get going and try to reel them back in later on. So Golden State being good firefighters today and doing their due diligence. Again, they're like similar parallels to Miami, right? Where I said that game one is usually just a feel out and really a chance for both teams to just see what are they, what are their tactics? Like there's so much talk before the series starts of like, what do, you, what do we think both teams are actually going to do? And then we see if both teams did what we thought we're going to do. And then, okay, like with anything, like with whatever you do as well, like with work or other sports or hobbies, whatever you do, you're obviously reflecting as you're doing something or before you start it to, you know, how did I think this was going to go? What did I do well? What could I improve on? What did that other person do well? What could they, what was their weaknesses? 
And then the next time you're doing it, you're sort of, you know, evaluating that or accounting for them to, okay, they were bad at this last time. I'm sure they're going to put work into fixing this up or, you know, I did this well this time, but I'm sure they're going to factor that in. So I need to develop something that I was bad in or take the next step in my, you know, second or third best skill. I need to work on that. Um, So it's always a feel out game in that game one. And game two is going to be the real test or, you know, just the next step or the next level with both coaching staff to see what adjustments they make. And for Dallas, right, like in both series that just happened, you know, against the Suns and against Utah, they lost the first game. And in a lot of those games, Dallas, it was not close. Like in this game, Warriors won, I think, 123 to around 90, so 30 points. And this game was so comfortable that Golden State and Dallas both subbed out their you know, their A roster or their starters. And in the fourth quarter, I just had their bench, their reserve team in because it was that bad. And Dallas went on a little bit of a run, but it was never like Golden State was ever uncomfortable in this. And, you know, by halftime, really, you could see this is an easy win for Golden State. Um, so we're going to see. We're going to see if Dallas adjusts. Dallas is not going to panic. They would be just saying, we have them right where we want them, guys. <laughs> this happened with Utah and this happened with the Suns. Uh, who's to say it's not going to happen again? I think they're showing that they don't really panic. And I think if you're the Warriors, you need to don't rest on your laurels. Like Dallas was really embarrassing with their shooting tonight. Like, let me say again, they had 48 shots from three points. And it's not like, oh, Tom, like, don't talk about this because Golden State defended really well against those shots. No, Golden State built a wall under the rim. And like I said, Luca made great passes out to the other guys, the other, you know, fourth, fifth, sixth best player. And they had a wide open shot from three point and they didn't hit their shots. So I think Dallas will be really embarrassed and want to come in and prove themselves in that next game. And Golden State needs to expect that. They need to come out, start really strong. They can't go oh, we won this game easy by 30 points. We're just going to chill, sit back, rest on our laurels. We don't need to try very hard to beat this team. Dallas would love that from Golden State if they think like that. And you got to take care of home court. So Golden State, you did what you're supposed to do. Come out and do it again. I realized I didn't give the score for the... Boston Miami game. Sorry about that. It was a uh, one eighteen to one oh seven. Again, that one was a lot closer. Like I said, Boston having the lead most of the way, ten twelve points around halftime. But then yeah, Jimmy Butler exploded. Um, Miami really pulled away and was never really close after that third quarter, where Jimmy Butler had the same amount of points as Boston Celtics in that quarter. Um, Jimmy Butler had 17, Boston Celtics had 17, similar to when Dallas played the Suns and Luka had 27 at halftime and the Suns had seven, uh, 27 at halftime. Similar sort of matchup. Um, I thought too that I should give my sort of prediction like I just did with Golden State and the Mavs, where I said Golden State would probably win after six games or in six games. So Boston versus Miami Heat. Man, I did say I was probably favoring Boston just because I like their, their their shooters, had more versatile shooters and just more people that could go sort of ballistic or explosive in that team. And I thought they would be more consistent, which they've shown in game one. Oh, Miami's the number one seed. They have home ground. <laughs> Who should I pick? Um, man. This has to go six or seven. I think they're too evenly matched. I think Boston will learn from this game one. I'm going to stick with Boston, and I think they do it in seven. But it's going to take a lot. Um, No shade on Miami Heat, though. I don't think it would be easy, and I wouldn't be surprised if Miami Heat win this series. I think it's it's that close, and especially winning game one now. Um... The longer this series goes on, I think it's it's harder for Boston. I think 
that's why it's disappointing this first game where Boston had the lead and you could steal one away from home and then you let it slip through your hands. It's like, again, if they end up losing this series, I think they they would look back on this game one going, damn, we we missed a trick there or we really had an opportunity. So anyway, I still think they can win it in seven. I think they'll take it seven games. Uh, we'll see. Moving on now to the NBA draft, but not the not the draft where you actually pick the players yet. It's a little bit different in the NBA compared to the NFL. So we we recently had the NFL draft, and it's different between the NBA and the NFL. Is the NBA takes almost has like an extra step. So we just did that extra step, and they they do a lottery to determine the order of the draft. So to make it a little bit fairer, like instead of, you know, in the NFL, it's the worst, the team with the worst record, the team with the most losses, the worst team, absolute worst team gets the number one pick. So that was Jacksonville, like I said, or like you've, like you've listened previously, they, they only won three games. The next team, you know, Detroit Lions, they may have won four games and then they get the next pick and so on, so on, so on. In NBA, it's different. They rank them by that at first, but they do a lottery to try to throw teams off from deliberately just losing games and deliberately trying to be the worst team, like not rewarding teams for tanking. So they go, sure, you can try to lose as many games as you want if you feel like you're not going to be competitive or you want to rebuild your roster through young players, like you don't have a chance at the playoffs and there's no point, try to get the best pick, but that's not. they think that's not good for the sport. We're going to put you in a lottery anyway so that, you know, the teams with the bottom 10 teams all have, you know, somewhat of a chance of getting that first pick, getting the best player, having that number one pick. So the top four teams... Or the, sorry, the bottom, you know, the worst four teams, Orlando, Oklahoma, Houston Rockets, and Detroit Pistons all have a tied percent chance. You know, they all go into a, a big bucket or a big hat, and they've all got like a 20% chance of getting the number one overall pick. And then later teams have a little bit less chance. So teams like Sacramento Kings... Um, New York Knicks, Indiana Pacers, Portland, you know, if those top four teams had around a 20% chance each, then those teams have maybe a 15% or 10% chance of getting that pick and so on and so on. Um, So nothing's guaranteed until they pick those balls out of the hat. So they'll go in a descending order. So they'll go from about 14 downwards So all the teams that didn't make the playoffs going downwards. And yeah, so it's different to that NFL system so that it doesn't just reward totally throwing your season away and tanking. And let me know what you think about that. Would you rather, or which system do you think is better? The NBA lottery system where it avoids um, or tries to discourage tanking discourage teams from just throwing their season away and ruining the sport and just getting all the losses they can, not even trying to win games? Or do you like the NFL model and, and you know, teams should be allowed to throw away their season or to not try or, you know, try to get the number one pick and have it guaranteed. Um, so it's always interesting with the NBA lottery is because because of this lottery, there's a lot of chance and often the team that had the worst record doesn't get the number one overall pick. Um, So this year it didn't happen again. The team that had the number one overall pick from the lottery that got picked out last was Orlando magic when technically they were the third worst team. So they moved up a couple spots and then Oklahoma City Thunder, they had they got the number number two and number twelve overall pick. Houston Rockets, another team that probably should have been 
Uh, they had the worst record. They ended up getting the number three pick. Um, Sacramento Kings, that they were the team with probably the sixth best, um, sixth worst record. They ended up jumping up to number four. So things like that. That's what I mean about this lottery, right? So Orlando Magic was technically the third worst team. But because of the lottery, because their name got picked out of the hat last, they are going to get the number one pick. They're going to get first pick of the college graduates coming out this year. And they get to pick the best player on the board or whoever they want. Whereas Houston technically lost the most games and were the worst team this year. But they end up now with the third pick just because of the luck of the draw. Whereas if this was the NFL, Houston would have got that number one pick, guaranteed. As soon as the season was over, guaranteed. So it's interesting. It makes it, there's a lot more chance involved and I guess that makes it entertaining. But is that fair? Is that, you know, if you're a Houston fan, you're saying, damn, the season was kind of a waste then. Maybe we should have tried harder or yeah, we shouldn't have tanked as much. Uh, if you're Orlando Magic fan, then you're like, hell yes, let's do this every year. Um, that's where it gets interesting. So all these teams, there's probably like three consensus top players coming out in the draft. You know, So they do this lottery now, and then when the season's over, just after it, then they'll do the NBA draft. And... The lottery is important to a lot of teams as it was important this year to try and get a top three pick because it seemed like every team had a consensus on who were the best three college players coming out. And then after after that, it's like, oh, I don't know. You can kind of rationalize anyone or take your pick. It's a bit of a lucky dip from there on. Like there's three guys, um, Chet Holgram, uh, Jabari Smith, and Paolo Banchero, um, who were, you know, star players in the March Madness tournament that we just had um, this year, which is basically like the college NBA championships every March. Um, so, yeah, those three are the sort of consensus top picks. So everyone wanted one of those top picks. So I guess Houston can't be too mad because they still got a number three pick, but. Um, yeah, Orlando Magic is cheering. Oklahoma City Thunder is cheering. Um, let me know what you think. Let me know which system do you think is better. The NFLs where it's more guaranteed and the worst team does get the best pick, even though um, maybe they purposely lost and threw away the season and didn't play with like the spirit of the game. Or do you like this chance lottery system where, you know, they put all the teams in a hat, they put them in a little bingo spin wheel and pull out a ball, pull out a name, and if it's you, it's you. Um, It's hard, you know, even though Orlando Magic, you know, it's a great day for them because they are getting the number one overall pick. But even with the NFL, if you're the worst team, you're getting the number one overall pick for a reason. It's because your team is really, really bad. <laughs> and it's, you know, there's no there's no LeBron James this year. There's no Shaquille O'Neal coming out. Like these top three guys, whilst they're the consensus, consensus sort of top three, um, there's no big, none of them are sort of projected to be superstars or sort of ready to light the league on fire. I'm ready to be proven wrong, but that's just my impression of them. Um, so the NBA lottery is more interesting for teams, you know, in that 7 to 14 range. Teams like Portland Trailblazers, where they have a superstar player like Damian Lillard, and maybe they could leverage or trade this pick for to, you know, give Orlando Magic another player or give you know, Oklahoma City, another player or another pick, give them this number seven pick as well. And then Portland might say, give us your best player, um, like a veteran player or an experienced player and try to build the team that way. As, you know, teams like Portland, teams like the New Orleans Pelicans who were just in the playoffs 
who have the number eight pick, they should be looking at that strategy of, you know, it's not the best draft similar to the NFL draft. It's, you know, not a lot of uh, LeBron Jameses or anything projectors come out. So why not trade this pick to any sucker that you can and try to get the best player on their team and say, oh, wouldn't you like this number eight overall pick? Please just give us your best player in return. Um, yeah, I'd definitely be looking at that if I was one of those teams. So it's a gamble. And like I said, there's different philosophies from different teams, right? Some like to invest in young players and try to build them up, coach them up. Other teams are like, I'd rather go with players that I know have proven themselves already and you know, have been in the NBA for quite a few years or experienced and maybe have good friendships or played with people on the team before. Um, let's bring those guys and invest in those guys rather than young players. So interesting to see. Um, congrats to the Magic. Congrats to, uh, I guess you'd be sending a, a little, uh, maybe a bottle of champagne to whoever picked them out the hat just to say thank you, I reckon. <laughs> um, but yeah, let me know. What do you think? Better system, lottery with the NBA or NFL, you know, the worst team is the worst team. Alrighty, we're going to move to the Stanley Cup playoffs, the hockey in the US and Canada now. Um, so I'll start it off with one with a Q&A question because uh, I was going to check on our, all our teams as well, but Peter asks and said... Oh, it's a shame that Pav's team, uh, the um, the Maple Leafs, Toronto Maple Leafs, got knocked out. Uh, is she going to pick a new team from the Eastern Conference? If so, which one is she picking? Is she going uh, with your Rangers or Hurricanes or Florida Panthers or Tampa Bay Lightning? Great question, Peter. Um, a question to all of you or. I'm allowing all of you to, because a lot of people sent in their requests or let me know which teams they picked. Um, thanks for playing along so far. I really appreciate it. A lot of people picked against me in the first round, and that, that came back to bite a lot of people. A lot of people picked um, the Pittsburgh Penguins, who my Rangers knocked out in the Eastern uh, di- you know, Divisional round. So watch out. That's just a PSA not to pick against me. So anyone who has the Hurricanes, I'd be, I'd be watching out right now or maybe the Oilers. But um, anyway, what I'm trying to say is uh, Pav. Yeah, good question, Peter. Pav, I chatted with her about this and said, it's such a shame that your Maple Leafs got knocked out. Are you going to pick another team on the east side to go for? And she said, no, it was too depressing watching them go down and can't really decide between anyone else or the Maple Leafs were too cool. No one else has a cool name enough for her. Like she didn't want to go for the lightning cause they knocked him out. And then Panthers or the hurricanes aren't cool enough. And then I'm going for Rangers. So she's just going to stick with her Colorado avalanche in the West. But, um, yeah, I'm trying to say if you, any, any, uh, penguins fans feel free to pick another team if you want, or if your team went out in that first round, I'll give you one more chance to choose choose your next team, who you're going to follow, and then that's it. Let's let's let it ride. Let's see how they do. So we had just checking on the rest. Pav's other team, the Avalanche, are playing the St. Louis Blues now in the western side, and Colorado won that game today in overtime. Let's go west side as well. The other game is my flames, the Calgary flames beat the Oilers in a crazy game. Nine to six far out nine, six. That's entertainment. Let's go. We might be looking at a Tom versus Pav, uh, final match with the avalanche playing the flames, bit of a grudge match there. And then east side, we have my Rangers playing the Hurricanes today. We went down two to one in overtime. Depression. <laughs> we also had uh, the Florida Panthers versus the Tampa Bay Lightning a couple of days ago or yesterday, and Lightning took care of business four to one. So interesting to see how those matchups take shape as the series goes ahead. Um, 
Yeah, good question, Peter. Pav is is too sad to pick another team. She didn't want to see her Maple Leafs go out, um, but she's she's on she's on board. She's on the bandwagon of the Avalanche, and hopefully they can do her proud. Alrighty, we're gonna wrap this episode up here. I'm working on bringing up some NFL on next episode of the top five, I think, quarterbacks or players who are under the most pressure going into this season of the NFL. So stay tuned for that or look out for that on the next podcast. Um, Come through or let me know with any uh, suggestions of what anything else you think I should talk about or and we'll go over games two in the NBA conference finals. Um, Yeah. Other than that, I appreciate you listening wherever you are right now, whatever time it is for you. Hope you're having a great day. Thanks for listening. Thanks for tuning in. Uh, Take care. Bye.